0: Sarah. and i'm nicole and this is eerie encounters and first off i'm just saying this to whoever is listening ghosts please stop interrupting and messing with all of the equipment we just would like to get this podcast episode recorded without any problems tonight please thank you
1: yeah this is the is this the second time we've it's done just this this is the
0: second time yeah
1: but we've had to record or re-record at least four episodes so far because the ghosts keep interfering. It's official. We are haunted. I blame
0: Sarah for this. Totally blame you.
1: I, I have no words. I mean, honestly, you could not believe the problems we've had with sound, with technology. We fix one problem and something else happens. Like, honestly. So please, ghosties, if you're listening, just let us record. We are officially, yeah.
0: Yeah, back off.
1: We're officially a haunted podcast. So let's, yeah, let's see if we can work with us, not against yeah, us. Yeah, not against
0: us, no, <laughs> bad. <laughs> We're trying to tell your stories, come on. Oh dear. Yeah, don't keep being mean to us. Oh, so let's try this again. What are we doing today, Nick? <laughs> We're going to do schools today, or haunted schools, because I know from our discussions that you actually went to a haunted school, whereas... Even though my school was old and my grandparents went to it and then my parents went to it and then I went to it, I never really saw anything or felt anything. So I've gone and done some research on another school that is in the UK, but I think maybe we should get the first-hand account of what happened when you went to school.
1: Well, first of all, you went to the same school as your parents and your grandparents. That's so cool. Yeah. Do they, like, have a wing named after
0: you guys? No. It's just that we were in such a little area, there wasn't really, like, that many options. So I went to Wollstone Secondary School, which is now knocked down and houses because it was a really stupid layout and it it never had a playing field and it never had lots of amenities. The dining hall was down the road, so it wasn't really set up to be a useful school, so they got rid of it. But yeah, my grandfather went to that school because my parents and Ancestors don't seem to like to move away. That's really nice. I'd love that. Love all my family to be sort of like really, really close. Whereas all mine are dotted all over the country. <laughs> really? Well, I was taught when I was in middle school. I was taught by a teacher that taught my mum. Oh, see, that's really nice. And you can compare yeah. notes.
1: <laughs> yeah, and
0: who who was better? home was better, obviously. <laughs> Imagine your teacher being like, "But mum, if well, you hear this, no, you were you should, amazing." Your mum used to get this. <laughs>
1: yeah, you don't. I mean, oh I didn't my goodness! I did have to explain this to your mum three times.
0: <laughs> no, you just had to do it for Ah, you're such a hilarious yeah. joker.
1: Dad jokes, yeah. <laughs> dad jokes are us. <laughs> so, welcome to our podcast where we talk about ghosts and we tell terrible jokes. <laughs>
0: yeah this episode is all about schools. probably the scariest of places and that's without the ghosts let's be honest (laughs) yeah indeed i think there's quite a lot of people that would have traumatic stories about their school days but you i think in some ways you go a bit of a step further because you had some hauntings at your school so yeah rather not thanks well School is
1: still pretty terrifying for me. And I can say that because I go there quite a lot because I'm a teacher.
0: So I spend a lot of time in school. And she doesn't really get let out much. So that's why we're doing this podcast. She's actually no. at school right now locked in her classroom because that's what happens <laughs> with teachers. They're not.
1: No, we, we spend all our time locked in the cupboard. I actually have a running joke with my students that I do live in school. And that I do, I sleep in the cupboard, which is why whenever they see me out and about, they're super surprised as to, what are you doing here? You should be in school. That's really funny. (laughs) They do believe that I I sleep upside down in the cupboard like a bat, I think. So, yeah. I can see that. I mean, in fairness, we're so busy, you might as well stay in school and just get all your stuff done. (laughs) Aww. I know. Anyways, so today, we're venturing into a place that some would call a torture chamber, a prison... Or a place where staff are said to be monsters. Of course, we're talking about schools, and I can say that because I'm a teacher. And as I said, students actually assume that I do sleep upside down in a cupboard like, like a bat. So yeah, teachers are officially monsters. So Nick and I live about 20 minutes from each other, and halfway between us is a little town called Farnborough which is famous for its history in aviation, as it's actually the birthplace of British aviation history. So just a little bit of backstory about Farnborough, which is going to lead into my story about my school. That so I went you're not to. going
0: off on one, you're not yeah,
1: having a just tangent. So you know, just so you know, this is linked. So a little bit of backstory on Farnborough, as you may have heard of it, because it was here in 1908 that the first powered flight took place on UK soil. And Farnborough Airport has continued to be a leader in aviation of one of the most significant contributors to aviation innovation and aeronautic science. That's a mouthful. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm glad that's you and not me. Yeah, putting my teeth in. So it's been a leading contributor during the last century. And in 2018, it actually became the first business aviation airport in the world to achieve carbon neutral status. So that may be where you've heard of Farnborough from because of all its links to aviation. However, Farnborough Airport is also known to be exceptionally haunted. And this is thought to be due to quite a few tragic accidents and, of course, the infamous crash that happened during an air show in 1952. Now, I didn't know about this. I don't know if you did, Nick.
0: No, I mean, I'm relatively new to this area because I grew up down in Southampton. So I only know the few things that I've heard from locals and stuff, but I didn't know there was anything that happened at the airport.
1: Yeah, no, I go to the air show pretty much every time it's on, and I had no idea that about this. So I've apparently been living under a rock because it's quite well documented. So in, on the 6th of September 1952... It was a De Havilland plane, and the pilot John Derry and his onboard observer Anthony Richards were killed, along with 29 spectators on the ground. Because this actually happened during a performance at the air show, and also Farnborough Airport is home to the air crash investigations headquarters and the hangar where planes have had crashes and they're then reassembled for the investigation. Because
0: that's, that's not you creepy. Can
1: yeah, it actually had quite a few famous planes there Including um, Lockerbie, the bombing Really? Uh, Concorde is said to have gone there Air France went there as well wow. Yeah, so quite a few
0: investigations have happened there
1: So when they finally find the one that disappeared Maybe, you never know It's Malaysia Airlines yeah. Flight
0: 370, so
1: Oh, how scary is that? That's so tragic and so scary
0: Well, bits of it have started to appear. I think that's probably the scariest bit, is that... We'll have to do an episode on haunted planes.
1: So, yeah, as you can imagine, there's lots and lots of spooks at Farnborough Airport. But Farnborough itself also has lots of ghost stories and holds a huge part in history. And Farnborough happens to be where I went to school. So, my old junior school is in Farnborough and is also famously very, very haunted. So when we spoke about doing an episode on haunted schools, I knew exactly what I wanted to do straight away. Because as a child, we were all absolutely convinced that we were sharing our school with spirits. And it became a bit of an unspoken rule that we were just never alone. And of course, the teachers used to tell us there was no such thing as ghosts. And that we needed to use our imaginations to put towards our writing, our creative writing, and stop scaring each other. But we were absolutely convinced too many of us were having experiences. And I think as children, I I truly believe that children are just much more open to that kind of thing. I think something happens to you as you get older and you kind of stop experiencing things and try to rationalize everything. But as a child, you kind of, yeah, I, I truly
0: believe that children are just more open and receptive to what is out there. I don't know they also don't have those preconceived ideas that I think we have as adults around this kind of stuff you just I see something I hear something I say it whereas us as adults we just kind of brush it off and don't talk about things.
1: So I once had a class who um, the whole class
0: spoke about another child in our class. Because that's not creepy. It was a little bit creepy, to the point... Kids and that stuff Nah. I mean,
1: things used to, like, toys used to go off in this classroom and things would be moved and things like that, and they'd all be like, oh, it's Henry. And to the point that it got to the point that I actually used to have to say his name on the register because they were all so convinced that we had a Henry in our class. Really, really strange. But for 30 children to all reference this
0: little boy, it was, yeah... They were doing it on purpose to scare you. But they
1: were so, like, just so blatant with it. It was very much... I mean,
0: they were, it was a young class, so
1: they were all four and five. And they were just... Oh. They were just, yeah, it's, it, it's Henry. Can't you see Henry? It, they were just so... As if it was the most obvious thing in the world. But yeah. So as a child, we were just... We were absolutely convinced that this school was haunted. And the... I kind of just assumed that the adults were just too old. experience anything so it never crossed my mind that actually they were having experiences too and when we were looking up haunted schools and I was sort of doing a bit of research I found a book about haunted Hampshire by Ian Fox and lo and behold my school was in it (laughs) but not just that
0: there were Experiences from my old teachers And they were <laughs> so telling all these... you all That there's nothing
1: here Those Absolutely. little liars All the times they told me That it was all in my head It's there in black and white So I was like Hang on a second
0: How so, mean yeah. of them I don't I know. know Do you think that's a good idea I don't know Maybe as a teacher It's a good idea To be like Yeah no it's all in your head But then Doesn't that then Lead you to start Questioning everything and i don't know maybe you just go yes there is they're not gonna hurt you let's learn today well
1: i don't i don't know but also it was a a church school so i'm wondering if it was Uh, religion
0: type yeah maybe
1: i don't know so for me there were two areas that i vividly remember that really gave me the heebie-jeebies and um they were the attic and the cellars, of course Because, you know, those are the best places Yeah, I mean, what what haunted house Would be complete without an attic And a cellar that's haunted So the top floor had a music room And it had one lonely classroom And nobody wanted to be up there on their own Especially in the dark And for me, the music room Was probably the only room In the whole school that I Really didn't like I just had Just had there was always this sense that you weren't on your own, and it just felt like you shouldn't be up there. So I used to wait outside the room when I had my private music lessons as I refused to be in this room on my own. <laughs> and, again, my music teacher was always like, what are you doing waiting in the
0: corridor? And I was just like,
1: no, nothing. I'm just, you know,
0: not going to Looking there at anything. the scenery. <laughs> yeah,
1: just just out here minding my own business. So you'd always get that feeling that you weren't on your own, and that you're being watched, and that you just shouldn't be there. There was one more floor above this, but it was blocked off, had like a chain across the staircase, because a fire had broken out many, many years before, and you could actually still see the timbers and the burn, the burnt wood and the burnt stairs. And there was this also this great big gaping hole in the ceiling. Oh, well, you yeah, we know. Yeah, because a piano had fallen through during this fire and they hadn't fixed it. They just left this great big
0: gaping hole. That's kind of funny,
1: though. Yeah, so I'd often be still standing there sort of like, you know, trying not to look up at the hole. And I was really, really scared of this hole because there was often talk of people saying that they would see a little girl peeking out of this hole and looking down at the classroom below.
0: No, so, no, no, no. Yeah.
1: So it was kind of a bit of an unspoken rule that you didn't ever look up at the hole. You didn't make eye <laughs> contact with the hole.
0: Eye contact with the hole. Don't look at the
1: hole. <laughs> yeah, so that Sorry. didn't help with the ki- with the creepy feeling oh. on this floor. The other area I always felt was really really active was the cellars, which were accessible by this great big heavy door as it would be. And the corridor that would take you down these old stone steps Which opened up underneath the house And there was a section of tunnels With different sort of low arches and beams and things like that And again, it just felt Yes, it was cold Yes, it was eerie It was a cellar But it was done up in a way We had Sunday school down there And some of our free sessions at school were down there And they had like games and football tables. And it was, you know, a bit of a common room, but it still didn't feel very welcoming. There was a really ominous feeling down there. Again, like you just felt like you shouldn't be there. And it was always freezing. And again, obviously stone walls and we had like the acoustics made noises sound like they were coming from all around you. So you'd often hear like, you could stand in one part of the cellar and whisper. And somebody could whisper like three rooms down, and you'd hear them. But sometimes you'd be down there on your own, and you'd and still hear the whispers. Whispers coming back at you. Yeah. Like, yeah. And you'd then look around and realize that you're down there on your own, and be like, "And I'm done with my free time. I'm going to go back upstairs to do maths. That feels less painful right now." That's funny. Ghosts or maths? Ghosts. Or <laughs> Ghosts or times <laughs> tables?
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's how you know you're really, really creeped when you'd rather go up and do your
0: 12 times yeah, say for Exactly. i am like, no, not dealing with you today.
1: There was also this really strong smell of perfume, like a really floral perfume. And I remember sort of, sort of you'd hear the voices and smell the perfume or you'd hear sort of like shuffling or footsteps and things like that. And I do remember there was times when you'd be down there and you'd think somebody's walked past one of the archways and you'd glance over and there'd be nobody down there. You'd be down there on your own. And of course, yes, it could be explained. The teachers were always telling us that the smells were because it was a dusty space. And of course, it's cold. It's but it wouldn't a cellar. be
0: floral, though, would it? It wouldn't well, be floral. Well, that's what we smell. used to say. It
1: was a really nice smell. It didn't smell old and dusty. You'd just get a whiff Yeah, it would
0: be nasty moldy wet damp type smell it sounded like it was a nice smell yeah and it was and it it
1: it it, it sort of smelled like your grandma's perfume you know that kind of also that powdery smell like do you remember the old school foundations that yeah yeah would wear that powdery smell you'd smell that too so i would have believed my teachers That was until I stumbled across this book that I told you about. And lo and behold, my school's in there. So all these things that I was told were very much in my
0: head... Were actually real. ...apparently
1: weren't in my head. So I was reading this book and I was really, really shocked when I found my school. So to give you a bit of history about it, it was an old manor house and was given the name Farnborough Place... And has housed St. Peter's Junior School since 1962. So you've probably heard of St. Peter's, living near Farnborough. I think I have. I couldn't tell you where it
0: was, but I
1: think I've heard of it. I'll have to take you there because it is a beautiful building. It really, really is. And there's church next to it is stunning as well. It does hold a really, like, honestly, I loved this school. I really did. Not just because of the ghost, but just because it was an old building. It felt like Hogwarts oh it was just, harry potter reference yeah. ding
0: ding ding
1: yeah we're gonna see how many of those we can get in but that's what we have to do every episode so if we can get at least one harry potter reference in and make it a drinking game <laughs> so every time we have a harry potter reference you have to take a shot a spirit let's, let's keep it
0: let's keep it on task how do i always end up coming back to drinking i don't again? know and i don't actually drink this is just is really weird. yeah funny that you're like yeah drink spirits drink
1: spirits and i don't actually drink but there you go So yeah, St. Peter's has been housed there since 1962. But before that, it was a private home, a hotel, a nursing home, and a military headquarters. So it also has the history of being the headquarters of power jets. Hence why I mentioned about Farnborough being famous to aviation, because my old school, it turned out, Was where St. Frank Whittle, the inventor of jet propulsion um, Spent quite a lot of time there Sort of teaching about the Power Jets As it was the Power Jets headquarters So, parts of the manor house actually date back to the early 13th century And it has been a private home I know Since the Anglo-Saxon times Wow And was owned by the Fanbra family, which makes you wonder where the name Farnborough might have come from. Slightly different spelling, but I'm going to have to do a bit more research on that to find out just how influential this family was. In the 14th century, it was then passed to St. Thomas Cheyn. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, so I'm probably butchering it. So if anyone knows how to say that one for me, it's spelled C H E Y N U. So tell me the correct pronunciation. I'm sorry And then it was passed on To Edward Dickinson Slightly easier to say In 1619 And his daughter Actually still has a plaque On the wall In the church Which is on site And side note I found out That she's actually The great grandmother Of the novelist Lawrence Stern Mm, So yeah Claim to fame Going on Yeah so that's something else that makes all this really, really exciting. St. Peter's Church is almost literally on the front lawn of the manor house. So while I was at school there, we often used to cross the grounds, walk through the graveyard and Lovely. attend events in the church. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, we, used to, we used to play in the graveyard. Oh, nice. So, yeah, it was allowed to. It literally is on the front lawn, but it's, yeah, which... The church comes back into play later on, so hold that thought. Okay. So, in 1652, the manor house was occupied by the Earl of Anglesey, and it's during this time that Nell Gwynne, who was the mistress of Charles II, was a regular guest at the manor house. These royals,
0: they do get about a bit, don't they?
1: I know, they all have mistresses, which its kind of sad. You kind of wonder how honest they were about... These mistresses And you know The poor women That were kind of The bits on the side But yeah She was a regular guest And she's believed To still be visiting To this day As her spirit Is said to be Regularly seen And has been documented On numerous times Across the centuries So obviously A little bit of She even loved This place so much That she still visits She might be looking For Charles You never know She may be. Maybe she has lots of memories there. Maybe that was when she was at her happiest. But yeah. Still makes me sad though. I just think, yeah. So the manor was then renovated during Queen Anne's reign by Sir Christopher Wren, of all people, and took on the appearance it still holds today. And it was then bought by the Wilmoy family in 1768 and remained home to several families until it then became a hotel. And it was during this period, soon after the Second World War, that Albert Bailey accepted an invitation from the hotel proprietor to search for a secret tunnel that was rumoured to have linked the cellars of the house to the crypt
0: of St Peter's Church. If I was alive, you could have signed me up. I would have been well up for knocking down some stuff. (laughs) Yeah, demolition Nick. I'll be there with a sledgehammer. Bring it on.
1: Which makes me wonder, sort of, you know, as I said, I've been in these cellars many times, and it was one of the places that we definitely used to feel had some activity. Now, if these cellars were linked to a crypt by a secret tunnel, that could explain some of the experiences we were all having, possibly, maybe. Yeah. So there is an article in the December 1966 edition, 66, 66, just gonna throw that out there of <laughs> Hampshire magazine which describes how a group of men smashed their way through the cellar walls which were two feet thick to see if they could find these tunnels however after four nights of smashing walls through they actually found themselves in an adjoining cellar room which actually could have been reached by the door they were standing by
0: so <laughs>
1: idiots lulls, I know <laughs> So this such didn't a man put them off. I know oh, such a man thing. We're just gonna knock through this. Oh this look, wall there's this then... door here.
0: I wonder what it does.
1: I know.
0: Oh, it Pop opens almost. into another room.
1: The room we're all now standing in after spending four days knocking it through down. this tunnel. Yeah, awesome. So this didn't put them off. However, they they were determined. So the hotel caretaker began searching for another tunnel entrance and he began working on another wall and he was down there one night on his own and he obviously sparked something because the following day, Albert Bailey came back to find the caretaker in an absolute state. He was terrified. He was unconsolable and he told Albert that he will never go down into the cellar tunnels alone again. And he was convinced that he was not on his own, that he was being watched and he was being followed, and he thinks he might have awoken something. Oh, dear. So Albert, of course, shrugged this off and went down into the cellars. However, when he made his way to the exact spot that the caretaker had been knocking down this wall, he said he was hit with his absolute state of terror. And he actually said that he knew a fear that he had never known before.
0: Wow, that's not ominous.
1: Yeah, a little bit ominous. The air had become so icy cold, and he then heard whispering from behind him. So he spun around, of course nobody was there, and he then suddenly heard what sounded like an old harp playing softly on the other side of the wall that they had all been working on. And the music grew louder and louder, and then suddenly abruptly stopped only to be replaced by a smell of perfume that he describes as smelling like roses. And a voice that Albert described as slow, cultured, and divinely pretty, reciting a piece... Oh, yeah, that was me. that was you. You were down there, were you? Yeah, yeah, that's just me. He was reciting poetry, apparently. Wow. Now, he then said that his fear completely subsided, and he then suddenly was... Past, this wave of calm came over him And he felt really, really safe And was left with this sense of Well-being So it kind of got
0: me thinking That maybe there may be two entities down there Maybe One nice and one not as nice As the other Because they all felt this sense of Absolute fear
1: when they were knocking Down this wall and it was almost I kind of think maybe They had sort of disturbed something Woken something And then it's like chalk and cheese, really. Then you have this Mm. wave of complete calmness, this sound of poetry, the harp playing. So it almost feels like maybe there's two different entities down there. Maybe she's kind of come along and scared off whatever it was that was frightening the men. But also, just want to bring back to the fact the smell of perfume and the smell of flowers and that kind of thing, which is exactly what we were all experiencing. So. Yeah, again, it wasn't in our head, and we weren't supposed to be sort of, you know, holding on to our imaginations for creative writing. It was really happening. And... Teachers. I know! God, teachers, who'd have them. So, (laughs) well, Albert Bailey and his team did actually discover that there was an underground tunnel. They actually found it. They found it, they did. They continued working on this wall, and they found a tunnel that linked get this the cellar to the crypt yeah brilliant of the church that was literally about 100 yards away so yeah the house was directly linked to the crypt and the burial grounds of the church and in 1962 as i mentioned Farnborough Place became the home for St Peter's school the former head teacher Howard Newton has confirmed that these tunnels do exist And he stated that he's been through them many, many times And he has said that he's never actually seen a spirit at the school But he has certainly felt it So this is the old head teacher And he said that he was up in the attic There we go again One evening (laughs) When he stated he was sorting some things out And he suddenly felt really cold and shivery And there was an atmosphere of unease in the room and he just felt as though he was not on his own. And he actually stated that there was something not very pleasant up there with him. So he was so disturbed by his experiences that he began to do some research and he found that others had also felt this dark presence in exactly the same location. Strangely enough, the same location that I used to refuse to go in on my own as a child. And so did all my classmates. We had this sort of spoken rule that that was not the place to be and that we were certainly not supposed to be up there on our own. So he found a report of while the manor was being used as a nursing home many years before, the patients kept asking to be removed from that room. And despite new patients who hadn't been told about the previous patients, they also were saying the same thing. They didn't want to be in that room. They asked to be moved and to be put in a different bedroom and so that they felt so uncomfortable that they refused to stay in there they had to be moved and that room would then remain vacant for long periods of time staff just couldn't put anybody in there and Mr Newton was also told that after the building had been perched for the conversion to the school before the school had moved in a bishop had to be called in to perform an exorcism oh lovely and it's now a school Lovely,
0: lovely, lovely.
1: Yeah. it Again, it shows that clearly some stuff was happening. And it was apparently because of what was happening in the manor house during the time that it was a jet engine college in the 50s that led to all of so many paranormal experiences, it was why they had to call in a priest. And the experiences during this period really hit a spiking point to the point The college had to start introducing lectures to reassure the students attending the courses that the building's ghosts were harmless So they actually had to run lectures for the students to say to them, don't be frightened of our ghosts, they won't hurt you Yes, we know you're all experiencing things, but it's fine
0: And yet you were told, no, it's in your imagination
1: Oh yeah but these were logical men I mean, we're talking about sort of highly intelligent engineers and scientists Who were sort of, you know, building aviation innovation And, you know, the first jet-powered aeroplanes And yet they were having to have lectures due to their crazy experiences It's just, yeah, it blows my mind It's funny And yeah, as you said, we, we were told, it's fine They didn't tell us that they had to have an exorcism
0: <laughs> Or that they had to tell people, don't worry about the ghosts, it's all fine.
1: They actually had to run lectures to reassure their, sort of, like, their adult engineer students. So there are some stories from the engineers, such as one student hearing someone walking around in the bedroom above him, knowing that it should be unoccupied, and when he goes up there to investigate, only to find it's, of course, empty. But then he's terrified when he hears disembodied footsteps Coming up the stairs towards him and running at him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No.
1: No. 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 I mean, why? 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 Walk calmly. Yeah. You don't know, run you don't at me. Need to run.
0: Come off it.
1: Oh. Yeah. Scary. Scary. Another Royal Navy commander had had no idea that the place was even haunted. Was then woken up one night and described how he felt icy cold and again full of fear. He said that his hair was literally standing on end and the college principal apparently reported that he'd often heard ghosts walking around the location as well. And again, this feeling of just dread and terror. So this is something that keeps coming up time and time again, this idea of just feeling this overwhelming sense of just fear. Just, you know, hair on, standing up on end, not being able to move, just being completely frozen in fear So, yeah, of course, you can begin to understand why they might have called somebody in to perform a blessing
0: and an exorcism on the place Yeah, no, I have no idea why they would do that
1: No, I mean, you know, it almost became kind of impossible to continue with what they were trying to do So there's loads of reports of these feelings and the noises, however it doesn't stop there as many people have also seen spirits and the college housekeeper reportedly saw an apparition of a long brown-robed man with a large hat on numerous occasions and he would often drift into view and then vanish just as quickly. And there was a woman who was apparently cycling up the driveway, and she reported seeing who she thought was the housekeeper. However, when she went to speak to the housekeeper, to her horror, the person just walked behind a tree and disappeared. Oh, okay, as you do. So these experiences didn't subside once the manor house became a school and the exorcism took place. In fact, the exorcism seemed to have very little effect. Because there was the office assistant, Winnie Sims, who I actually think I remember from my time as a student there. And she'd been working in the office since the 70s. And she was a lovely, lovely woman. Um, Not long after she started, she was apparently down in the cellars one day in exactly the same place that Albert Bailey and his team had had their experiences some 25 years previously. And she had an eerily similar experience to the one that they'd had. And she said that she was completely alone, yet she felt this definite feeling that somebody else was there. And she just felt as if someone was peering over her shoulder and described it as being not at all pleasant. Now, according to Mrs. Sims, do you know what? I've actually written someone was peeing over her shoulder. (laughs) Not pee. (laughs) And that has really, really thrown me So I'm going to go back a little bit And go to So
0: I like someone peeing over her shoulder That sounds really funny I think
1: I much prefer that version I mean, this is just taking this to a whole different type of podcast (laughs) And she said that she just felt like somebody was peering over her shoulder constantly and described this feeling as being not at all pleasant, which I quite like. I mean, that's probably not how I would describe sort of feeling like someone was watching me. Yeah, you no, mean? it
0: wasn't that good. Yeah, I didn't really but, appreciate it.
1: And according to Mrs. Sims, events are still occurring to this day. We know because you know, as a child a few decades ago, I'm not going to disclose how old I am, but yeah, we were still ex- <laughs> we were still experiencing things. So staff apparently are still saying that they are reporting unexplainable noises when they're working in the school on their own. Lights will turn on and off by themselves and there'll be these really, really eerie feelings. So all the things that we used to experience as a child. So now it's still a work in school and I, I definitely don't want anyone to be frightened if they know someone who goes to this school or if they go to the school set themselves because as i said despite the experiences and the feelings in certain places i can honestly say that i i adore this school i really really do and it was probably my happiest years there i really loved going to this school and not just because of the atmosphere but the old the history of it it just yeah it it's a beautiful building with beautiful grounds and the fact that Where else can you say that between maths and English, you went down into a haunted cellar and played foosball with the ghosts? You know, it was just, yeah, it was just, honestly, I loved this school. So despite the experiences, don't be scared of the school. It's a school that's incredibly close to my heart. And I just feel that the history and the spirits really added to the experience we had because it was literally living history. You know, we were there with, they'd been there a lot longer than we were. We were sharing their their home and they were letting us share their home. So, yeah, I do, what I do find really interesting though is just how similar the experiences that we all had as children were to those that the people throughout history as well, the feelings in the Mm. cellars, the smell of perfume, the uneasy feeling in the attic, the sort of that we weren't alone or being watched and things like this. And so it was really interesting actually reading all these other accounts. So I was like, oh, that's what happened to us too. That is interesting. And I was recently talking to a friend who I actually went to the, that school with. And I was like, oh, did you know that the school was exercised? And he was like, what? No. And I was sharing this, like all these stories with him. I was like, do you remember this person? This is what they've said. So yeah, we all. We're sort of having a good old good old catch up and a gossip about the experiences that we used to have So I remember as children that we'd often tell the adults that we thought it was haunted But again, we were told not to scare each other and it was our imagination But it seems that we were not imagining it no. after all Because they were also having the same experiences and they still are to this day So yeah, that is my story of my old school So yeah, haunted schools. I knew exactly
0: what I had to do. Well, fantastic! That was really interesting. In some ways, I wish I had had some kind of experiences at my school. It might have made my school days more pleasant. But (laughs) (laughs) more pleasant certainly keeps it interesting. Well, yeah. I don't know. It's better than bullies. You can get ghosts appearing and stuff. I'd rather have that any day of the week.
1: <laughs> Could you imagine? Don't be mean to me because I'll set my
0: ghosty friends on you. Yeah, th- that would be pretty, <laughs> pretty awesome. Oh, dear. So, yeah, where are you going to take us? For me, I am going to take you into London and I'm going to discuss something that I had no idea existed until i found the museum and you mentioned it to me which is the ragged schools of london oh my goodness i'm so jealous that you've done this one
1: Uh. i really (laughs) really want to go there
0: well i think we should i think we need to get on a train and go in and see this because you can still visit one of them today so if you are in the london area i would recommend that you check out the ragged school museum they do ghost hunts there don't they they do i couldn't find one that is like set up and ready to go because they've just had a big refurbishment and stuff so i wonder whether they've stopped it because of the refurbishments but it'd be awesome to go and see it and see if any of the staff have had experience oh brilliant
1: and a refurbishment's probably going to um spark stir up stuff. something yeah. cuz
0: that often happens doesn't it it does indeed So I thought, because I'd never heard of this particular type of school before, that I would just do a little bit of history about it, if that's all right. Yeah, please. So, cool. Ragged schools were charitable foundations that were set up to provide free education for children that were too poor to receive any other education elsewhere. Because back when these schools were started, what they did was they expected parents to pay for children's education. And as we know, not everyone would have had that kind of money kicking around. And so quite a lot of children would have gone without any education. So not learning to read and write, not learning how to do any maths. And obviously that would then have a knock-on effect with the types of jobs that they would get later in life. So in some ways, this was a really important thing because it actually led to people being able to change kind of what they were going to be able to do in the future. And so prior to 1870, as I said, Britain was all fee-paying education. And fee-paying education establishments would pick the students they wanted to attend. So if you were poor, if you were of a different religion, if you didn't have the academic ability that these schools wanted, you weren't going to school, which I think is pretty oh sad. Gosh. I mean, that's
1: yeah. kind of, you know... Obviously, as a teacher, I do firmly believe that education is kind of a, you know, a right. Well, it's key, isn't it? Right, really. I think everybody yeah. is entitled to an education, despite your, you know, certainly, despite like your income, ethnicity, and, you know,
0: beliefs and things. Yeah. You know,
1: I, I just think, oh.
0: It should be for all, it should be universal. It shouldn't be so prescriptive but i guess then in our like places like america you still have the paying for education and going to college and stuff you have to pay remortgage like everything and yeah put yourself into huge amounts of debt and i know that we have started charging for universities here but it's nowhere near what it is in america but yeah so these types of kids that i'm talking about these would have been the kids that would have been excluded from sunday schools because of their behavior and their appearance because again they didn't have the money to look a certain way and there was quite a lot of prejudice back in the day so back in the 1870s and so what happened is that they started these ragged schools and these could be attended by anyone and everyone especially children and adults so i've got a quote here says ragged schools could be attended by anyone and showed some sympathy especially to children and adults who could gain admission into no charity school and who would be driven from any church door so this meant that everyone essentially could get an education and in london as part of this ragged school system they actually set up a union for the ragged schools which was established in april 1844 and what they did was they used that to combine resources across the city, and that again added to the free education. It meant that these children would be fed and they would be clothed, and they potentially had lodgings for these kids. And there are other home missionary services for poor children. They just, it was abilities to be able to provide the education that these kids needed. It was interesting because, yeah, it's pretty cool, isn't it's
1: it? Amazing. I mean, why? where did the name ragged schools come from was it because they
0: just it's i think it's mainly because of what the kids would look say. like as they were in rags Aww. yeah and i mean the teachers and stuff that they had in the schools wouldn't necessarily have been trained teachers is what you would expect in these fee-paying schools but they tended to be local people who were working and they would come in on a voluntary basis or for a small fee and come in and teach these children the things that they thought they needed for later life yeah there was emphasis on reading writing arithmetic most of these schools were probably religious so there's the study of the bible and eventually the curriculum expanded into industrial and commercial subjects in these schools to again aid with the being able to get a good decent paying job so that they might be able to pull themselves out of poverty but as we know if you are born into poverty, it is generally very hard to be able to progress in the social hierarchies Especially that are out there. Especially
1: in those days because the sort of the you know the, yeah.
0: so the the gap between sort of like the rich
1: and the poor exactly. was so huge. You know, it was so huge.
0: Yeah. It's sad, isn't it? So this is all precursors to what we see today as the school systems in the UK. In the UK, every child is eligible for free education From a certain age, I think it's like four or five, am I right? Uh, Yes, that's when they go to school, yeah. Yeah, and then onwards up until they're 18, there is this system that they can go through and learn the things that they need for jobs. So this was the precursor to that. Between 1844 and 1881, so that's like a period of just under 20 years, about 300,000 children went through the ragged school system in London alone. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So huge numbers of kids that they were going and getting this education. And Ragged Schools Union, so I mentioned this union where they pulled their resources, it didn't really move outside of London. And as a result of it kind of getting into this new school system and the way that they changed, because it was the fact that there was no one responsible to educate these children, whereas now it's up to the local educational authorities that had been set up to educate children. There just was none of that. But the ragged school union closed down at the end of the 19th century, and this was around the time they started to look at different systems to be put in place. So the legacy of the ragged school showed that there was a need for schooling for working-class children. Who would have thought? And eventually, it as I said, it led to these creation of local education authorities, not the government itself, but local areas, so that it meant that they could provide the resources that a particular area needed so you would know how many people that were considered maybe poorer than others you would know who you were meant to be targeting who you needed to help and what resources you needed to put in so it became the responsibility of local councils and to meet the educational needs of their people living in their local council area So it's pretty interesting, I thought. So that's kind of like a whirlwind tour of what the Ragged School system was. And I found that there were lots of them, but the two that I want to focus on are the London's Ragged School in Field Lane and the other one is London's Ragged School in Copperfield Road. So the first one was actually visited by Charles Dickens and turned up in some of his writings. He used his writings as a way to kind of educate the people about what and the population about what was happening through his literature. And you can see this in Oliver Twist, where you have Fagin, and he has a group of children who are there in their den of thieves, and he's teaching the kids how to be thieves. And you can also see it in A Christmas Carol. And yeah, so he visited these particular schools, which was, I think, brilliant, because then... As someone who had such an audience, he was able to use that to tell people what was happening. So, in London's Ragged School Field Lane, the school was part of a new and growing educational movement which was willing to teach children for free who were too ragged, wretched, filthy and forlorn to enter any other place. And that is a quote. Isn't
1: that lovely? I mean, that's lovely, but also referring to them as being ragged Forlorn and wretched yeah wretched
0: uh, filthy yeah. compliment there like just kick us while we're down oh but by the 1850s filled lane consisted of a day school a teaching reading and writing and counting and the bible it also had a night school and this one this is how they describe it one for vagrant and destitute adults. And then they had another for boys who were employed during the day so that they could go to night school. They also had classes in shoemaking and tailoring for boys and sewing classes for girls. And Field Lane also fed and clothed its students while also running a night refuge, lessons on parenting for mothers, and a Bible school at weekends. So these places were really kind of a hub of the community and were really doing some fantastic work. Even though I keep going on about the schools teaching the bible and stuff these schools didn't necessarily restrict on particular religions so they allowed people of any faith to attend their school but evangelical christianity was the heart of the ragged school system and they have this again this is in quotes the aim of being able to teach poor mothers how to clothe and bring up their offspring to teach fathers their duties to their families And children, their duty to their parents to teach above all things that true wisdom is true religion and true religion, supreme love to God. So they taught adults as well then? Yeah, so children and adults all under one roof. Oh. So Charles Dickens also had his own views on the ragged school system. So out of his literature, he was quite prominent in the way that he would write about his views. And in 1846, which is eight years after, he imagined piles of children punctuating London's landscapes, Dickens recalled a visit to Field Lane Ragged School, which opened in eighteen forty two, and it actually was set very close to where fagin's fictional Den of thieves was, and the school consisted of two or three miserable rooms upstairs in a miserable house, where children huddled together on a bench, while some flaring candles were stuck against the walls. Not to be trusted with books, the children were taught orally by a volunteer teacher to look forward in a hymn to another life which would correct the miseries and woes of this.
1: I love that they're not
0: to be trusted with books. What are they possibly going to do with a book? Maybe they're that desperate they're going to eat them or something. This is how Charles Dickens described... The Field Lane School. And it doesn't necessarily sound like it was the nicest of environments to be it in. It
1: feels very Oliver Twist, doesn't it? It
0: does indeed. You can see where perhaps there were some political issues going on in the background with this one.
1: Oh, wow.
0: So the next school that I want to talk about is the London's Ragged School in Copperfield Road. And this is the one that you can visit today. It is open as a museum and... They do children's and school tours and you can go and tour the facilities and it has different levels. It has a Victorian classroom, it has a Victorian kitchen. It looks like they've got it so that it looks like what it would have been back in the day when it was operational. But this particular school was opened by Dr. Thomas Bernardo. And for the UK population, they might know that name. So Bernardo's is a charity for children.
1: I was going to say, is it the same Bernardo? It is
0: the same Bernardo. The particular charity foundation that they have is still running today. You still have places where they provide money and funding to children who are in need. So, yeah, it's the same guy. So, just a little bit on Dr. Thomas Bernardo, born in Ireland, but he then moved to the London area in 1866 to train as a doctor. And he was also wanting to train as a missionary. But after he observed the shocking conditions that were in London at the time, such as the illness, the poverty, the overcrowding, all of those kind of things, he decided that he was going to set up his first ragged school in 1867. Ten years later, in 1877, he established one of the biggest ragged schools in Copperfield Road. So his was one of the biggest in London, in Tower Hamlets. And Tower Hamlets is an area of London, I don't know if people have been there, but it is still today one of the particular areas that are quite impoverished and have quite a lot of poverty and people living below the poverty line. So even today, that particular area is still struggling to be able to reach its full potential. And so the whole point of his school was to educate poor children... And he did that for 31 years before the school closed in 1908 because of local government-run schools opening in the area. So there wasn't the need for these ragged schools anymore. But the Sunday school remained until about 1915. The school originally registered 370 day children and then a further 2,500 for the Sunday school. Each floor had a classroom and the basement served as a playground. So there was different levels. The basement... I don't know what it is about basements and cellars. Why do you put playgrounds and things down there? Your school had this. Why do it? Why? Oh. And after the school closed down, between 1908 and 1990, the buildings were used for a variety of industrial activities. So it went back to being warehouses because it's located along a canal. Today, the Ragged School Museum is in that particular building. So as I said, you can actually go and visit the school that Dr. Bernardo set up. And this trust was established in 1990. And the museum was that occupied the three canal buildings on Copperfield Road that once housed the Ragged School was open, in which 16,000 children each year experience a school lesson. So you can go in as a school child and do a Victorian lesson that would have been taught more than 100 years ago. How cool is that? I was going to
1: ask, do they do that? Have you ever done that? Because I did that as a, as a teacher. I've taken a school trip. Did you? Yeah, to a Victorian school. But also as a child, I remember going. Really? And I was
0: terrified. Oh.
1: I just remember sitting on my teacher's lap and crying because this this Victorian woman was just like, you know, had a cane and made somebody wear a dunce's hat and kept she told me off because my hands were dirty. They and, were
0: quite vicious. Oh, they weren't exactly nicey-nicey yeah. people, were they?
1: They were, but I've also done it. The other side, where I've had to be a Victorian teacher, and it's really hard. (laughs) So I had to put on a pair of glasses, and I was saying to my students, "Right, when the glasses are on, I'm this character. When the glasses are off, I'm you know I'm me again." So it's really, really difficult because you just you feel so mean. They were so strict, and I'm not I'm not very strict at all. So it was yeah, it's oh, it's really scary. But no, it's really, really scary. It's so intimidating. I just remember crying as a child. And we all were. And one of my classmates got the cane. Someone else had to stand in the corner. And it was just, oh, it's cruel. But that was what
0: schools were like in those days. Yeah. So the bit that we're kind of all here about is the hauntings of the ragged school. And this one, the Copperfield Road, ragged school set up by dr bernardo has a whole host of hauntings and yes i think we should definitely go and visit it so i found a few websites that gave information about what they'd experienced at these locations so the first one that i went and looked at was something called adelaide's haunted horizons so it's actually a group of australians that came over to the uk and visited the ragged school in london and They did this in July 2019, and they had a large range of different experiences. The best bit is that you can see the video of their ghost hunt on their website. So I'll put this link into the show notes so you can actually watch what happened. And so what they did was they went from floor to floor to see what they could experience. And before they'd even started setting everything up at the time, things had already started to happen, which is really interesting when these things happen in investigations. They had a team member return to the base room that they were using, which was in the basement. Don't do it. Why put it in the basement? But anyway, in the basement, (laughs) he came down and he said, I heard a woman's voice calling my name. So I assumed it was Alison, who is the lady who runs this particular group. So I came back to the base room and she's like, it wasn't me. I don't know what you're talking about. No one called you. So there was voices straight off, which is pretty, pretty cool. So the next location that they went to was the recreated Victorian kitchen. And they actually did this and they put a Facebook live on so that people could watch and listen along with them. And they said that the people that were on the Facebook live said that they heard a voice that was not part of the team. They conducted an EVP session and when they listened back, they also had cat balls and we've used cat balls that are plastic. And inside them there are flashy lights but they only go off if you move it or touch it or roll it. So I tried to set one off. I didn't really jump, but I bounced around it to try and see if I could set it off, and it didn't go off. So you physically have to move this particular ball. And they had it sat resting on top of a bar of chocolate. (laughs) And the cat ball rolled off and started flashing and rolled off the bar of chocolate. And this only occurred when someone asked for them to move the cat ball on the chocolate and promise to leave the chocolate for the children. Aww,
1: they just want the chocolate. Isn't that
0: cute? I'm with them, I just want the chocolate. But yeah, so this happened during the EVP session that they were running. They were asking questions and later on they used a ghost box and they asked if they enjoyed chocolate and received the response of, yes, we did. I have to say, who doesn't enjoy chocolate? If you don't enjoy chocolate, do not even talk to me. I just can't (laughs) deal with you. But yeah, so they got responses that were in relation to the questions that they were asking. So it was a correct response and it was done in a timely manner. And you can see this on the video. It's pretty cool. They also asked questions such as how many people were in the room with them, like how many people in the group. They also then asked how many are males in the group and they got that right. They got all of those responses right and then at the very end they told them to turn it off. So this was the words through the spirit box was turn it off. Personally, I think at that point I'd be moving on, which they did, which was probably the best idea. And
1: I'm out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, thank you. The third location, which was the Victorian schoolroom, the team reenacted a classroom math lesson, so probably what something similar to what you were discussing, going through the whole teacher at the front, telling you what you should and shouldn't do, and asking questions and so what they did was they had one at the front who was taking the lesson who really got into it and was this horrible, nasty teacher and they had some of the team being the students, and so they were asking math questions and Some of them were getting the wrong answers. And so as a result of getting the wrong answer, they would receive the cane. And they had a spirit box set up in the particular room as well. And it was heard to have appropriate responses to the situation. So when someone was getting the cane, the spirit box went ow, ow, and too hard. And a child saying, please miss. Oh, bless them. Yeah. Isn't that just, like, heartbreaking? They also did the headphone experiment, which we have done at another location that we went and visited, where you get the spirit box coming through headphones, noise-cancelling headphones, so the people that are doing the questioning out loud aren't influencing the person with the headphones on because they can't hear what they're asking. So it kind of gives you an idea of what is being said, is being heard, and is coming through the headphones and so what they did was they were the rest of the team were there asking questions and the person with the headphones would say what the response was and they said they heard they are watching you oh my goodness imagine that coming through <gasps> no 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 yeah so they were getting the appropriate responses to the questions that people were asking but they also had this they are watching you N- nothing too this <laughs> is it really nothing
1: why? Why Why do they feel the need
0: to say that? I mean... No idea. A simple, hi, would have sufficed. We <laughs> yeah, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. They're watching. Oh! Yeah, no. So, Alison then takes over the experiment where she is sat with the headphones on and her team is asking questions that she can't hear. And they're streaming this on Patreon for their subscribers. And she reports that she felt that she fell asleep during the experiment and that she wasn't necessarily giving any responses to what was happening at the time, but that wasn't necessarily the case because she does respond and she clutched her throat and said strangle and the Ovalus said blind and caught and the team then asked who was strangled to which Allison replied, let them know. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And whilst the team discusses her odd behaviour, they feel like they are talking to an adult rather than a child, so they asked questions of the adult and the responses that they got back was i used to sew and in response allison raised her hands if she was about to play the piano after giving craig her team member a strange look which is quite funny in the video and craig asked another question and allison spat out amateur at craig <laughs> which kind of makes me giggle and craig paused before asking are you talking to me and at that point allison came back to herself and took the headphones off So she thought that nothing had happened, but yet she'd gone into some kind of trance or something and was responding to what was going on with her team members. So yeah, interesting. And then the very last location in this particular video that I watched is the basement. And as we have already discussed on this episode, basements are always quite ominous. And in this... (laughs) In this area, the responses that they had been getting during the investigation really changed to being quite a lot more aggressive. The voices told one of the team members to fuck off. Oh. And I think if I was told to fuck off by someone who wasn't there, I think I would probably follow what they were saying and leave. But maybe that's just me. You
1: seem very, very aggressive. Very.
0: What you did... assume were either children or, or teachers students or yeah yeah a complete change of what it was before and also at the very end of the night allison reports seeing a black shadow of a person that crosses a door originally she thought it was another member of the team because of maybe it was a reflection or something but in further investigation, she found that that wasn't possible. So she saw some a shadow person. So yeah, it's quite interesting to watch. I would recommend having a watch of it just so you can get a feel of what happened. Another website I found was Haunted Happenings. And these guys do ghost hunts around the country. They described the Ragged Museum as one of the most haunted buildings that Haunted Happenings have ever visited. Because that's never ominous, is it? That's never <laughs> going to make you feel, woohoo, for me maybe. But I think for you, how would that make you feel?
1: I I really want to go and see The Ragged School. And I was actually <laughs> looking at Haunted Happenings as a company to go with. So yeah. There you go. I know
0: Haunted Happenings well. But these guys say that ghost hunts have seen people witnessing such intense activity that they have been left running for the door. I'm like, yes, please sign me up. When can I go? (laughs) People have reported a sinister presence, poltergeist activity, and even apparitions that await you on an overnight ghost hunt at the ragged school, and only the bravest souls should consider a lone vigil in the upstairs cupboard or the basement. (laughs) The ghost hunt is not one of those for the faint of heart or for the easily frightened. You have been warned. That's what their website says, and I'm like, yes, please, I'm coming. (laughs) i want to go can we go please i would love to i'd love to many paranormal groups have investigated this location and they say that it leaves you in no doubt that there are spirits and ghosts within the property people have heard tormented cries laughing loud bangs and these have been picked up on sound recordings as well so it's not just people going oh i heard this they actually have the proof that they heard this They've also heard heavy footsteps from empty rooms, strange lights that float amongst you in the basement, and some of the most intense poltergeist activity they've ever experienced. <gasps> wow. So, yes, sign me up. I just. Why, why is it so haunting and so active? I don't know, maybe because of the levels of emotion. I think schools are quite an emotional place, aren't they?
1: Yeah. I also just think it seems so dark, and considering it was such a place that gave so many opportunities, I just think, why? What it almost feels like is there something else that's
0: Well, I don't think they were necessarily, even though they had the opportunity. I don't think they were necessarily treated like human beings as such. I think they were still looked down upon, and I think that prejudice continued for them and. Yeah, whilst they're like, yes, we're getting free education. These people, I don't know, not necessarily wanting to be...
1: But also, if they had such a bad experience there, why would they choose to haunt there? You just no kind idea. of think... I mean, were there many accidents or sort not of... Not that I could there... find. Not that I could just... find. It's so strange. It almost yeah. feels like it's not... Even to do with the school, maybe something... Maybe it was
0: before the school, you don't know. Maybe. That's the thing, isn't it? Or
1: has somebody opened a door at some point? Have they maybe. invited something
0: else in? It's a possibility. And then I've also got some information from haunted rooms about what they've experienced. And they say that there's countless strange occurrences reported by staff and visitors. Some rec- reports include the poltergeist activity, the dark shadow figures and disembodied voices, and even full-bodied apparitions. People say that they feel a sinister presence that lurks in the back of groups throughout the building and you may also hear laughing and crying coming from empty rooms. They've heard disembodied running footsteps. Just don't run. Just go, really? sh- Just chill. Don't, don't do the running. Just disembodied Especially running school, footsteps. Yeah.
1: You're going to have a teacher that's telling you off for running.
0: <laughs> exactly. Or also, a teacher telling you off for slamming doors, for bangs, oh. and yeah. yeah those kind of things. So these have all been reported. And again, the basement, you can't, may come face to face with a dark, lonely figure who likes to appear when you least expect it. There's also been a regular sighting of balls of light appearing in the darkened corners of empty rooms.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, it's totally a place that I'd love to go and visit. Oh
1: my goodness, we've got to go. We need to start going for our list. and I think I might have to move that one up, up near the top. I'm, yeah. I'm going to get off this podcast later and I'm going to start looking up. Update investigations. your
0: list. Yeah. But yeah, so that was Ragged Schools. And I think that this one, if you get the chance, I think I would highly recommend it, even though I haven't been to see what was going on there. I, I definitely think it's worth a trip.
1: Well, hopefully by the time, yeah, hopefully over the next few months, we'll be able to put a trip in the diary and we'll be able to update you on our experiences. We'll have a schools part two.
0: Yeah, definitely. Oh so goodness. yeah
1: that's so interesting. Yeah.
0: Well thank you for doing that one.
1: I've wanted to right. of that one for a long time.
0: Well there you go now you've got it. Yeah. <laughs> well thank you guys so much for listening to us go on about schools this week. I hope you found it interesting as much as I found it interesting to do the research on the ragged school because yeah I haven't been there but it sounds fascinating. It sounds like somewhere that I'd really like to visit. As always, if you've got any ideas of things we should talk about, places we should visit, anything really, get in contact with us. If you have stories that are associated with schools and your time at schools with ghosts and so on, let us know. We'd love to hear it. You can do that by going to our website, which is eerie-encounters.co.uk. You can email us at podcast at eerie-encounters.co.uk you can find us on the socials I'll put all of these links into the show notes as usual
1: yeah please send us your stories we've started having a few of them
0: and oh sorry that would be my dog
1: yep we've started <laughs> having a few of them and they're brilliant and they're actually sparking ideas for future episodes aren't they Nick we've started yeah. re- researching certain certain subjects based on the stories that we're getting so yeah please keep sending them.
0: I also think it's a challenge to see how we if we can get Sarah to end up having to just do a Disney movie binge. <gasps> yes. So that she can I, then I, sleep at night. So how can we scare Sarah enough by some of these stories?
1: Well it's also videos like if anyone's got any that they really creep me out. So yeah send us your videos too. <laughs> so I don't know if you've ever seen any of those like caught cool on camera ones. I have but- yeah. Oh man 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 some of them are just so scary.
0: <laughs> well, I don't think there's anything left to say but until next time. I'm Nick and I'm Sarah and this was Eerie Encounters. Eerie Encounters. <laughs>